just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From APP.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. That's right. It's once again time for Jersey Jump Shot. We're talking college hoops in the Garden State, episode 10 for the season. Ryan Ross here with Jerry Carino, Steve Edelson, and Chris Eisman recording here on the last day of February. But if you're listening to us in the future, welcome to March. Things are about to get Really fun over the next couple of weeks. Uh, We have the conference tournaments just around the corner. We have some jockeying for position here at the end of the regular season. A lot to get into. Seton Hall, they win twice this week. Wins over Butler and Xavier. Rutgers, they lose twice this week at Michigan and home against Wisconsin. Monmouth goes one and two. Princeton, they win two against Harvard, knocking them out of the Ivy League tournament. St. Peter's, they win two as well at Monmouth and home against Niagara. A fun week of college hoops here in New Jersey. We have a great interview in this show as well. Shavar Reynolds stops by. A great chat with him. Steve and Jerry caught up with him. The former Seton Hall Pirate, current Monmouth Hawk, talked Jersey basketball, talked about his very inspirational story. Great stuff there from Shavar. So stay tuned for that interview coming up in just a few minutes. But here at the top of the show... Jerry, I mentioned it, the regular season starting to wind down. Something that you wanted to talk about here at the top, Senior Day. Of course, uh, we're sending some seniors out here. Some seniors were sent off last year, and they're back this year. And some being sent off this year might also come back for the following season. It's kind of confusing, but something that you wanted to talk about in these strange times in college hoops. Yeah, I want to just take a moment before we descend into full-blown madness and bracketology and everything else uh, about... I want to take a moment and take a deep breath and, and reflect on senior, senior day, senior night, senior week in college basketball. It's a great tradition. They do have it in high school, too. Uh, it's one of those things that separates, you know, high school and, and college sports, co- high major college sports, specifically from the pros, is that this is a rite of passage. And, you know, people are moving on, not just from school and college basketball, but with their lives. It's a really big deal to these athletes, their families, the people who have helped them along the way in school, uh, fan bases who are going to be bidding goodbye to them. These are emotional, uh, emotion-packed, meaningful moments in the life of a college basketball player. And they're going to be unfolding this week, you know, at at Seton Hall, at Rutgers, uh, at Monmouth, at a lot of other schools. And it's, it's, I love it. I mean, to me, one of the joys of the job is watching uh, these young men, they come in as boys, these college basketball players, and they leave as men. And and watching them grow and develop as people and as players and the relationships we can form with them that our, you know, our, our brethren who cover the pros don't have, by and large, with the athletes they cover, it is, it is one of the joys of the job. And I always, and I'm not the only one, I always get a little emotional on senior night because you do form a bond and you are, 
you are watching people leave leave the nest and go to the next phase in life. So, like, Rutgers is going to have a senior night with great meaning this this week. You know, next Sunday, um, when when Ron Harper and and Kayla McConnell and uh, and Geo Baker for the second straight year for Baker and and Luke Nathan, who's been a valuable piece to that program, when they, when they everyone says goodbye to them, that's an essential you know a cornerstone group for Rutgers basketball. And I mentioned. I mentioned, you know, Geo getting honored last year. It's a weird senior night because some of these players were honored last year and they came back. They got a fifth year for because of COVID by the NCA and they came back. So they're going to be honored again, but they should be honored again because last year they were honored with no fans or very few fans. It wasn't the same in those empty gyms. So this is a chance for the fan bases to say goodbye. Seton Hall is going to have a, a huge group on Wednesday against Georgetown that they're going to honor. Uh, Jared Roden is a four-year guy who has meant everything to this program. Like he headlines that group, you know, but there's other players in there too, who have, who've given a lot that they're going to be out there. Miles Kale, you know, he got honored last year. Nobody was there. He's fans are going to get a chance to appreciate him as a post-grad. So this is a big deal. Uh, I, I hope fans really savor the moment and let these, these young men appreciate, uh, hear the appreciation for what they've done for their schools. And I just wanted to highlight that it's to me, it's one of the things that makes college basketball different and special. Absolutely. And something that we mentioned going back to our, our Rutgers football podcast, the chop a little cross promotion there, but I remember Greg Schiano saying that if you're unsure, walk, you know, go through the ceremony, have your, have your time in the spotlight. And if you want to come back next year, if you have the option to go ahead and do it, but you certainly don't want to skip it. And then of course, leave and kick yourself that you missed that opportunity. So it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity. Like you said, Jerry, these, these guys have been through a lot the last couple of years. Yeah. And we don't, and we don't know, strange. right. Like we, we don't know who, who's going to be back. Like, you know, we know Geo Baker's not coming back for Rutgers. He's out of eligibility. You no, know, is Ron Harper coming back? The chances are he'll probably, you know, look to, to the next level, but I don't know for sure. I don't know that he knows for sure. You know, is Kayla McConnell coming back? He, if he's made that decision, he's not divulged it to this point. And mm-hmm. some people want to let it play out before they decide, you know. Um, you know, Jared Roden, same thing. He'll have opportunities to make money playing basketball. He'll probably take them, but maybe he won't. I mean, he might change his mind. It happens. You know, he's a young man making facing huge decisions. I, I do think Jameer Harris, you know, for Seton Hall, a postgrad, will come back to play with his brother, Jaquan, next year. Uh, beyond that, I don't know. Like, Ike Obiagu has told me he probably won't come back and take his extra year. And some of these decisions you just don't know. I'm sure, Ma, you know, Mama Steve has a huge class they're honoring, right? I mean, there's some, there's probably some decisions to be made there. You might see some of these guys again next year. Definitely possible. Mama has six seniors at the top of the rotation, you know, and uh, so it's going to be an emotional night for sure. And of course, one of those seniors is a, is a guy that we caught up with on this episode, Shavar Reynolds. Of course, Seton Hall Pirates, now Mammoth Hawks. Jerry, uh, just kind of the, the quintessential New Jersey college basketball player and New Jersey college basketball story. Uh, we'll play the interview in just a moment, but just set it up for us for anyone a little bit unfamiliar with Shavar and his story. The pride of Manchester Township was unrecruited by Division One, coming out of high school, went to prep school, got a chance to go to a, a, an off-season scrimmage at Seton Hall, Got an, did well there, got an invitation to walk on, was going to drop out because he couldn't afford it after one year. Kevin Willard upgrades him to scholarship. He becomes an essential part of that program. Then he takes a grad year at Monmouth this year, is doing really well for the Hawks. The quintessential New Jersey story. What a journey. I couldn't think of a better player to have on our podcast. Absolutely. And let's get right into it. Let's hear Jerry and Steve's interview with Shabar Reynolds. 
It's senior week, and what better way to honor the seniors who have had such a huge impact on college basketball in New Jersey than have the quintessential Jersey college basketball story on our podcast. Shavar Reynolds joins us on Jersey Jump Shot. You must know that name if you're paying attention to us. Shavar was unrecruited out of Manchester Township High School, uh, wound up at Seton Hall as a walk-on, was upgraded to scholarship, made such a huge difference for that program, took a graduate transfer to Monmouth, where he's having a terrific all-MAC quality season for the Hawks as they pursue a uh, MAC conference tournament title. And uh, really, I mean, who is more Jersey college basketball than Shavar Reynolds? So we're here to talk about his journey. Shavar, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. Let's start at the beginning, and there is so much to chew on. I think so many lessons for for college basket for high school basketball players, for college basketball coaches, and the people who scout this sport. There are so many lessons to be learned from your from your unique story, your rise. So let's go back to to your roots, Manchester Township High School, Shavar. Who recruited you out of high school? We'll get to your prep school in a minute. Who recruited you out of high school? And tell us what went into the decision for you to uh, to attend prep school in Belmar. Uh, I had a bunch of D3s come to the – They a lot of D3s came to my games after high school. Uh, my highest was a, I had a D2 offer from Boonsville. But majority was a, it was all local D3s, uh, like a couple D3s in Delaware. I, had, I was really looking at Stockton. So it was between – Stockton, Bloomsfield, and then after the Shirley, like you just talked about, my prep school coach came in. But I was heavily looking at going to Stockton. So you wind up at uh, at Covenant College Prep in Belmar with Ian Turnbull, right? And you can Ian connects you with Shaheen Holloway, Rutgers assistant. You wanted to go to Seton Hall. You just you felt like, hey, I can do this. Uh, take us through that connection, and specifically the now fabled. Uh, scrimmage, off-season scrimmage that you attended and really impressed Seton Hall's players. Tell us about that. Uh, so I think I was watching Seton Hall one day at prep school, and uh, I told my coach, I was like, I want I want to go there. And he was like, he looked at me kind of weird, like, that's a that's high major, that's Big East basketball. <laughs> I'm like, no, nah, I want to go there. I'm telling you. So he, uh, he was like, all right, by the end of the year, we'll see, we'll see where we're at. So uh, get to the end of the year. I think he's, I think, uh, I think it was like a, Wednesday, Wednesday night, I think Shaw called him and told him that there was like an open gym and uh, bring bring your boy up then. And then coach called me that night, and I think that Thursday we went up there. So we get up there and warming up, and then uh, everybody starts coming up. You got Angel-ish. Uh, EG at the time was there. Uh, that, I think Roe was on his visit as well. I think he told me that that day. Okay. Roe was on his visit that day. So we get to playing. And as it's going, I'm playing very well. I'm uh, I'm playing with Angel, pick and roll. I'm giving him the ball, knocking down shots, and hitting the floaters. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing very well. And then by the end of it, I uh, go to talk. I go to talk to Will. Uh, yeah, I go to talk to Willie after, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you got you're good. You're full. You're good. No try out. No try to say you're on the team." And then from there, it was it was just utter shock. All right, let me let me let's rewind that a second. You. You fed Angel the ball. Was that because, you know, it was good to win the game? Or was that because you wanted to impress him and have him speak up for you? I guess both happened. Oh, any any logical logical player at that time known that knows that he needs the ball. <laughs> he was too good. Why not? Why why would you stop feeding your horse? So Angel and Ish, you know, really spoke up for you and told told Willard, hey, we, we gotta have this guy. He can help us. Obviously, Kevin saw that for himself. 
And then you, so you got the invitation to join the team. Now you go up uh, in the fall, you're, you're a walk on, you go through a walk on year. You're pretty much on the bench. You know, you're obviously you're, you're hustling in practice. Take us through at the end of that, after that season, you go into Kevin Willard's office and tell him, Hey man, I'm going to have to transfer. You know, I don't think I can, I can pay the tuition bill here. Is that, is that what happened? And what did Kevin say to you? Take us through what, what must've been a very memorable exchange for you. Uh, so we, I go in, uh, we have our, we have our formalities. How you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah. He was saying how you appreciated my work ethic and, uh, he was glad to have me this year. And then he, and he slowed down. It was like a, a movie silence. He was like, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about giving you a scholarship. I don't know yet, but I'm thinking about giving you a scholarship. And that's when it was just, I just looked at him like, oh, wow. And then everything starts to, everything in your mind just starts to go. Cause you're like, wow, did I, did I just really do this? Cause that was the goal the whole time. That was, that was the whole, that was the whole plan. Come here, get a scholarship right after. So when, in that moment, you're just realizing that all my hard work could possibly be paying off. And it's really, it's so surreal that I, like you said, you'll never forget that moment. So in that conversation, when he said those words, I was just sitting there like, oh, wow, I might have, I might have actually did it. Hey, Shavar, did, did you know right away when you got on the, on the practice court with those guys that you could play at that level and that you could rise kind of through the, through the rotation? Oh yeah. hundred percent. hundred thousand percent. As soon as, as soon as I got there and I seen that, the only thing that separated me was that one, I didn't have any experience and also that. I was willing to work harder and do whatever was needed done, to how, however I had to do to get on that court. So once I realized that it was really just all in the work, I was like, "How can I, how can you really be stopped when I have control? How much I, how much hard work I can put in?" All right, two your sophomore year, you're on scholarship, you're in the rotation. Two incredible, uh, incredibly memorable moments that no nobody who saw them will ever forget. Take me through the game winning three pointer against St. John's at the Rock. Uh oh yeah we uh we drew the play up, drew the play up at uh I think was it, it was three seconds left two three seconds yes so we drew the play up uh I think it was a down screen for MP we knew they were both gonna jump out so I actually told Sandra I was like yo they're gonna switch out so you know you're probably gonna have a slip there and then lo and behold it actually happens but as he as he goes he euros through he he turns and he looks at me and I was that's when I was like oh he's about to pass it. So, but I, I told myself before I was, I told myself, even most likely I didn't think I'm like Miles Powell's getting the shot, but if anything, just stay ready because if it does get past you, don't be, don't be the one sitting there like, oh, I didn't think you, nope, just be ready. So I'm sitting there, I'm squatted down and I'm just looking at Sandra and as he Euro steps he, and then he looks at me, I'm like, oh, he's about to pass this. Okay. So as it goes and then everything from there was just more, it felt out of body. I would say, like ever, ever since once we locked eyes, everything else is out of, out of body. The shot, everything, it felt like it felt like I was on autopilot. And you, so that's interesting. You had kind of planted the seed in Sandro's head that hey, you know, when they double you, I might be open. Yeah, you you kind of planted that seed. Oh, no, so I didn't, no, I didn't say I would be. I was saying he would be. Me and Quincy oh. both said that because we both thought they would jump out on Miles, which they oh, did. Okay, on Sandro's down screen, they jumped out on Miles, and we knew Sandro was going to have a slip over. From, I didn't know he's gonna pass it to me. I ain't gonna lie to you. Okay, I, I got lie. you. He's gonna swing that. What a great story! Now the second one, Big East tournament semifinals. You guys are up one. Marquette's got the ball. Marcus Howard, an All American, bunch of bunch of Seton Hall players have fouled out. You're one on one against Howard as he's driving. How did you 
defend him there, and you really stopped him cold. He wound up taking a tough three and missing it by quite a bit. Take us through that incredibly memorable sequence. Uh, that game was – that was one of the craziest games I've ever been a part of, having Miles leave and come back. And then the uh, way that game – it was a very physical game. It was a great atmosphere, but uh, that final you play – fouls being called every other second. Oh, yeah. That, was, that game was crazy. But uh, in that situation, it was just really – just try to make it difficult for him as possible. Also make sure, because he was going to get the shot. I just didn't, the way the foul, like you said, the way the fouls were being called, I just make sure, I didn't want to make sure to give him any reason to call anything. So my biggest thing was hands off and just keep him in front and definitely contest the shot. Because Marcus, I think Marcus, he dribbled, we wanted him to dribble to his right because he couldn't, I can say he couldn't, he was better off his left. So I know the biggest thing, I wanted him to go to his right, at least, at least give us a better chance of him missing going off his right hand instead of shooting off his left. Wow, that was a great moment. And then, so you you go on and you have a really strong career at Seton Hall as a contributor. Um, but before we move into the next phase with Mammoth, uh, two more questions about your time at Seton Hall. What was it like defending Miles Powell in practice every day? Oh, it was great. Like I tell everybody all the time, he he has made me a defender. I am because he challenged me every day. He, he went at me relentlessly every day. Step backs, the going to the basket. You know, just the heart he has. So when you're guarding him, you got to you have to match his heart and match his intensity because if you don't, he'll make you look silly. So every of those days, he gave me a lot of buckets, but it was also days I got him back as well. <laughs> I bet, I bet there were. Um, the, uh, what do you want to say to Seton Hall fans uh, who really embraced you, Shavar, and really you know, took in your story and and uh, thought it was. You know, just thought it was what college basketball should be all about. What do you want to say to that fan base uh, who are going to be I, listening to this? I thank them all the time. Even when I – like, I'll see them at my mom's games. Even when I go back to watch my, my guys now, see them all. They show so much love and support. And I just – I want to tell them I thank them. I love them. Always from the beginning when I was a walk-on, they supported me. They always had my back in any aspect. So that Seed Hall Nation, the fans, I forever will be thankful and appreciative and will forever – Anytime you want pictures, conversation, anything, I'm I'm here for it. I'll be there. Anytime, like even I'm gonna have some camps this spring. I will I reach out to them. I tell them, or even they'll they'll always hit me up about it. So the love and support is well, I think it's a lifetime of support. All right, that's awesome to hear. We know you you will definitely respond to those requests. Uh, we know you're good for it. You'll never, Shavar will never forget where he where he's come from. That's for sure. Now, oh, yeah, last Seton Hall question, and that is. Your um your decision to transfer. Obviously, you did four years at Seton Hall. You had the option to do a graduate year. Uh, before you know, before we get into how you picked Monmouth, um, what was the decision to transfer out and look for a different opportunity? How did that unfold? Uh, just, oh, it just happened. Uh, there's some more of a more of a gut feeling than anything. Not really many decisions or reasons. You just felt it. You felt that it was time to time to change it up. Have a have a new set of challenges and adversity. I would say. I think I, I think I get better when I'm challenged and and I have some and I'm not even saying there's no adversity. So, you know, I think I think it was time for that next step, that next step of adversity and challenge, because I feel like I need to take another step in myself of growing as a person. So I don't know. It was just a, it was more of a gut feeling that I had to that it was time for a new situation, a new set of challenges, so I could find out and that also better myself as well. 
You know, Shavar, I'm, I'm curious, you know, King Rice has such a kind of a different persona than than Kevin Kevin Willard as a coach. What has that been like for you now playing for a different coach like that? And he, he has kind of thrown you the keys to the offense and and let you go. What has that all, whole experience been like so far? Oh, it's, it's actually been, like I said, like I just said before, it's been another great challenge. It's It's been, it's been up and down. It's been something I had to figure out, but it says in the Bible that when you when you go through things like this, this is when you're growing, you're growing and you're bettering yourself because God only puts challenges in your life to help you see what you haven't came, what, hadn't, what hasn't been in your face yet. So I, I've enjoyed this experience. I love King. I love everything he's done. Even from the beginning, when he first started recruiting me, I just knew, knew he was a genuine guy. I knew that I needed someone like this at this moment. And from him and Willard, yes, they're totally different, but both great coaches. I would, I would never take anything from Willard. Willard was is a great coach. X's and X's and O's, the way he prepared his preparation as the way he prepared and showed and scouted other teams has helped me so much. Or just the details of the game of learning somebody's weaknesses or exploiting their weaknesses, attacking certain ankles, atta- attacking how to how to go at this team, what what styles to go at. So I was always appreciative of Willard's style. But King coming here, I I just I feel like it was meant to be in terms of we both needed each other in these moments. Interesting. You know, you guys have had some really big wins this year. I mean, Cincinnati, Pitt, you know, in retrospect, the Princeton and Towson wins were big wins. Those teams are really good. Um, I, I would think being able to to look back on that kind of might show you what could still be possible for this team this season. Mm-hmm. 100%. We, uh, if you look at most of our losses, we, we beat ourselves. And I'm not going to say that the teams aren't aren't better or, or good. They're good, but a lot of games we're hurting ourselves. So honestly, that's the that's the best thing to take out of it. We've been we've been hurting ourselves. So we can just fix these details, just the small because that's what's going to win you a championship. Details win championships. The little things right now are what's going to get us to win a championship. So we can clean those little things up and stay together. Then I think the the uh, there's no limit for us. We we we're the only ones that can stop ourselves at this point, in my opinion. Well, it's interesting because you, Walker Miller, former walk-on, George Pappas, former walk-on, mm-hmm. you know, kind of form the core of this team. You know, I would think that that kind of underdog mentality could serve this team well in the coming weeks. Because mm-hmm. we've been there before. We we know what it's like to be doubted. We know what it's like to be on the lower end of the spectrum. We all know that it takes work. It takes grinding at it. You continue to go at it. You continue to go at it. You also... And what my slogan has been lately, you find a way to get it done. If you can't do it, you got to find a way to do it. And that's just that's just what it is at this point. So if you feel like you can't do it, no, you got to find a way because there's no there's no other option. There's no there's no not getting it done. And that's what the biggest message is at this point. You you didn't play in the second Iona game, but the first Iona game. I mean, that was a great game at mom at the overtime game. Mm guys had them i think you were up four in the in the last minute of regulation when you look back on that game what what stands out in your mind from that game and and you know how you guys in terms of matching up with those guys oh great game great atmosphere just a just a high level basketball game i i enjoyed that game so much and uh shout shout, you got a shout out uh joiner he had a big shot yeah big shot and that's 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 all she wrote in that one but hopefully hopefully we uh Hopefully we can get one of those again. But from here on out, we'll take it game by game. And hopefully one day, God willing, we get to that one. So, you you have uh, been 
your whole life and career in New Jersey. You're, you know, you went to high school in New Jersey, you went to prep school in New Jersey, you went to Seton Hall, you went to Monmouth, which is right in your backyard, and you're going to be playing in the in the uh, MAC tournament in in Jersey, mm-hmm. in Atlantic City. What has it meant to you to represent this state, to be in this state, and to finish your career, you know, r- your college career right in your backyard? What has that meant to you and your family? Oh, it's been a blessing. I just, uh, I thank God for just the, the constant blessings He's put in my life. Uh, like I told my, I tell my mom this all the time. Uh, we were, we were not supposed to be here. We weren't supposed to have none of this. We weren't supposed to be in the situations to have the resources to know the people we know. So every day is just a, a blessing, and I, I, I thank God every morning for it that He allowed me and gave me the strength and power to be able to achieve as much as I achieved. Because honestly, I believe in myself, but if I ever thought it would be to this level, and I, I would dream big, but if I ever thought it was going to be like this, I, I can't say I did. I, you you know, you have scenarios and play it out how it's going to go, but it's honestly better than I ever thought it would be. So it's just a blessing, and I thank God for everything for it. Speaking of Manchester kids, have you seen Darius Adams play? Uh, what do you think I, I, actually been, I actually worked out with him this summer. Probably I'm definitely gonna work, we're going to work out this summer as well. Last summer we worked out a little bit. He has his potential is through the roof. Uh, that's why I, I really want to make sure I, I get in the gym with him this summer, just to sh- make sure that he stays on top, just so he knows that he can have a very bright future if he just continues to work and grind it out. I've been knowing Darius ever since I moved here, so I've been knowing him and his family ever since I was in eighth grade. So I've been I've seen him grow, and now really now it's his time and his opportunity showing. I want to make sure that. At least my part, I can help him know that just keep working, just continue to work and work, and I promise you, you will get to wherever you want to get to, and the world world will be his oyster. And Darius Adams, the the Manchester uh, Manchester native, but Manasquan freshman mm-hmm. who nearly led Manasquan to the Shore Conference yeah. title as a freshman, twenty six points in the semifinal win mm-hmm. and and led them in in the final on on Sunday. So another great story. Mm-hmm. He'll be he'll be. Like I said, he'll be a good one. As long as he keeps working, he will definitely, I think he has the potential and the skill to reach very, very high heights. Shavar, what's next for you? Tell us about the clinics you'll be running. And then what you know, what are your plans after this postgraduate year at Monmouth? Uh, uh, I, I, I got a plan. Definitely, definitely going to see what uh, – uh, I don't really like talking about it because I want to live in the moment. I want to live <laughs> okay. in the moment. I, but obviously, yes, I'm definitely going to do some clinics after the season. Definitely going to definitely going to uh, go after the NBA, see what that's going on. But I just try to live in this moment. I want to seize this now. I don't want to. I don't want to look back and say that I was worried about other things. Other things. I want to finish this. No matter how it goes out, I'll make sure I give it my all and we finish this and try to get this job done. And then after what's meant for me would definitely be for me. But I. Uh, in terms of your question, I do. I'm definitely going to pursue a career after this, but I also want to. I also want to figure out ways to, you know, help help helping basketball and helping the real world as well. So let's let's are- end, let's end on that note. And I think you've I think you've already helped a lot of people with your inspiring story. What would your advice be to the kid out there? And there's many of them who are who are under recruited, under ranked, under noticed, but who have big dreams and have a big heart and have the ability to do. Uh, more than people think. What would your biggest piece of advice for be for you, What I tell people all the time: you have to believe in yourself. That's that's the goal. That's the first step. Once you believe in yourself, nothing anybody's going to say is going to affect you because there's going to be people that will tell you you're not going to do it. I had 
I can tell you how many people told me I was crazy for trying to do that. How many people just told me to just go D3? You have an opportunity there or stay there. Don't try to don't try to keep like basically don't try to better yourself. So the first step is belief. And then secondly, you have to you have to trust your work and you have to be willing to put more work into anybody. It was one point I was I was shooting. I shoot every night for the most part. If it's not class in a way, I was shooting every night. If there was it was my walk on year, I was shooting twice and twice a day, even with practice. So I would go in before practice shoot and then that night come back in. So you had to be willing to outwork every single person because you're already on the lower end of the spectrum. So you have to work that much harder to make sure you get your spot. And then you have to work that much harder to make sure you keep it, because just as fast as you get it, it can be going even quicker. And then thirdly, if I would trust God, if you are true, if you're a believer, trust God. He's going to guide you. He's going to let he's going to give you the tools you need and everything else for this journey. But that's my biggest thing. Trust yourself. Be the hardest worker and then believe in your faith. Great advice from the best Jersey college basketball story in modern history that I've seen. Navar Reynolds, thank you for giving us a great story all these years. Thanks for your time. And Steve and I will be watching very closely as you try to put a cherry on top of this uh -huh. career. I appreciate you guys as well. Thank you, Jerry, obviously, for the four years. And Steve, thank you for this year coverage. It's been much appreciated, all the love. And we will, there's definitely, there will be a lot more to write. I guarantee you that. Thanks, Shavar. No problem. Great stuff there from Shavar again. Thanks to him for stopping by the show. Hard not to, to listen to that and be inspired. Obviously, a, a great player on the floor, but someone that you can't help but but know is going to be successful no matter what Shavar chooses to do, whether it's in basketball or whether in his professional career. Just a very inspirational story and, and a great guy to have uh, on the show there, Steve. Yeah, and listen, and, and I think his presence really gives Mammoth fans hope over the next uh, few weeks. You know, he's, he's playing, he's a little banged up with a shoulder, but he has played well. And, you know, with him leading the way, I think, you know, I think Mammoth fans can think that anything might be possible for this team. I love the answer there. He doesn't want to think about life after basketball at Mammoth. He, he still has some work to do. They still have the conference tournament coming up, and uh, he's not ready to think about his, his career at Mammoth being over just yet. So great stuff again from Shafar. Thanks again to him for stopping by the show. As for the week ahead, Jerry, uh, we have some big games, of course, coming up. We'll start with Seton Hall. They're home against Georgetown on Wednesday at Creighton at Saturday. Uh, kind of jockeying for position. They're they're in the tournament, but it's a matter of where they will be come time for the big dance. Let's just tip the hat to Seton Hall and Kevin Willard for getting this team to really come around after losing Bryce Aiken to a head injury. Look, they lost their best guard. They had to redesign the entire way they played offense. And it they, you know, they took a couple dips in the road. They had a rough month of January, but boy, has this team roared back, crushing Xavier on the road Saturday, a statement win. Seton Hall is just about there in the NCAA tournament. You know, got to avoid uh, taking a really bad loss to Georgetown or two, really probably would take two losses to Georgetown at this point to knock them out if they played them again in the, in the Big East tournament, which is very, very possible. So for Seton Hall, it's just about taking care of business against Georgetown. It's a team they should beat, but you know, you got it's a big East team. You got to show up. But then can they go and win at Creighton? They've already beaten Creighton handily at home. Creighton's point guard is out. He has suffered a broken wrist. 
Uh, he's out, and th- they, you know, got crushed at Providence. That's a big, a tough thing to recover from. Seton Hall can tell you it takes time to recover when you lose an essential piece. So the Pirates are hot. The question is, can they can they win two games this week and sort of edge their way out of that eight nine game that Seton Hall fans know has brought dreaded results in the past? Because when you're in the eight nine game, you got to go play a one on the road if you win that in the second round. That's a tough spot. Can Seton Hall get out of that? Brad Wachtel, our, our our resident bracketologist, who we talked to today for a story I wrote, and we'll have him on next week. He thinks, yes, they can play their way out of the 8-9 with two wins this week. Gets them onto the 7 line. Big difference in the set if you're a 7 from an 8-9, a, a notch down on the opponent you would play in the second round should you get by the first round. So Seton Hall's goal is to get that seed as low as possible. It's in front of them still. A seven, the path is there to a seven. It starts this week against Georgetown and Creighton. I think Seton Hall, the way they're playing now, can win both games. But I just want to give a lot of credit to Kevin Willard and also to Seton Hall's backcourt, specifically Kadari Richmond, Jameer Harris, and and the senior wing leader, Jared Roden, who have all raised their games and taken on new roles in Bryce Aiken's absence it's taken time, but these guys have figured it out on the fly, and that's really impressive from where I stand. The, the way the Pirates played last week, if you're a Seton Hall fan, that has to give you a, a lot of hope as we head into this final week of the regular season with the conference tournament and, of course, the NCAA tournament just around the corner. As for Rutgers, they have a big game of their own Wednesday, Chris. Indiana on Wednesday, and then they finish home against Penn State on Sunday. Uh, pretty safe to say these are must-wins for the Scarlet Knights as they're, as of right now, according to Brad Wachtel, on the outside looking in. Yeah, Ryan, look, uh, Rutgers has had a dramatic season. They've had a lot of, uh, you know, tough losses and, and and big victories. And, you know, why not make things a little bit more dramatic? You're going into the final week of the regular season. They like being in this spot of having to, you know, having their backs up against the wall. They kind of thrive on it in a lot of ways and kind of, you know, being a team that, um, you know, people don't necessarily expect to win. So they're, they're kind of thriving on this a little bit but yeah no question I mean they have to win these final two games they had an opportunity to make things a little bit easy for themselves and or easier I should say and and, you know had they beaten Michigan and Wisconsin um, you know they'd be breathing a little bit easier right now but that's not the case you know they have to win these two games Indiana is definitely a beatable team they're but they're desperate they're in a lot of ways like Rutgers they're desperate they have to move off the bubble Um, you know going to Assembly Hall though isn't easy um, so that it's, it's, it's going to be a tough game for Rutgers on the road. Obviously we know that they haven't played that well away from Piscataway, um, but it's absolutely must win. And considering where they are in the net too, they're, they're, you know, sitting today at number 83. So they have to improve that. And obviously the net, as we know, places a big emphasis on road victory. So it, it's, it's imperative that Rutgers goes to Indiana and gets a victory. And then obviously against Penn state, a team that they've lost to, but is not that good at home on senior day, certainly a very, very winnable game for Rutgers. They have work to do. They have to win these final two games going into the Big Ten tournament. There's no doubt about that. So it starts Wednesday night in Indiana. It's all about Indiana, and Rutgers still controls its destiny. I mean, but if you lose at Indiana Wednesday, you don't really control your destiny anymore. So this is the big one for Rutgers, and the Scarlet Knights have won six of the past seven meetings with Indiana. They've won the past four. They beat them three times last year. Now, Indiana has had a coaching change, but Rutgers has owned Indiana. Indiana has been the little brother in this series. Indiana, their story tradition, their candy-striped pants, they have been soft. Rutgers has paddled them in these games. Will that continue? I don't know. But should Rutgers have confidence that they can go in and win this game in Indiana? Based on the results, a lot of these seniors have handed Indiana in the past. 
Absolutely. I expect Rutgers to play this game with confidence and to play like a team that's been there before. I am going to say it now. Rutgers is going to go into Indiana and win Wednesday. I don't know if they'll break them over a knee like they have in the past. I will be surprised if Rutgers does not pull this out Wednesday. Yeah, it, it's an opportunity. Once again, as, as Chris said, Indiana kind of in the same situation as Rutgers. They're they're desperate. They're fighting for their tournament lives as well to go into that uh, assembly hall, a tough place to play, as we said, and come out with a win. That certainly helps the tournament resume. And then you got to take care of business Sunday because losing to Penn State, that is a bad loss. You don't really gain much by beating them. But if you are to win Wednesday and then you blow it on Sunday, that is a bad loss. So they need to take care of business and then Probably steal one, too, in the, the Big Ten tournament, something that we'll keep an eye on as the season wraps up. As for our mid-majors in New Jersey, uh, a huge week for Princeton. They win the home-and-home home with Harvard. They knock Harvard out of the Ivy League tournament. Harvard, they're hosting the tournament, so no home court advantage come time for the Ivy League tournament. Uh, Princeton, they wrap up their season Saturday at Penn in the Palestra. As for the MAC, Steve, uh, a big week there for St. Peter's. They win uh, at Monmouth, and then they blow out Niagara. Monmouth, they win against Siena, but then, of course, they lose to St. Peter's, and then they lose at Siena in the MAC. Yeah, and right now, it looks like the top four seeds certainly are all locked in and um, heading into the MAC tournament, but there's still a lot to play for, in my mind, uh, coming up this week, especially for Monmouth, which lost two straight, lost to Siena, lost to St. Peter's, who they were battling with for second place in the league. Um, so, listen, they need to start feeling a little bit better about themselves, I think, heading into the tournament. You know, the issue for Monmouth right now is they are 1-7 and seven against the other top five teams in the league right now. So they've had some good games. You know, they should have beaten Iona. Uh, so, really, it's all about trying to get everything in order heading into the MAC tournament in Atlantic City next week. It's going to be tough. They will have to play Iona in the semifinals. You're going to have to beat them at some point. It might as well be the semifinals. I think the problem problem in the Mac right now for everybody is, you know, as you look at Iona, you know, 24 and 5, 16 and 2, they have a very good net. I would say in the Mac, Rick Patino is probably worth eight points a game and tack on the fact that he has the most talented roster. That's a tough, that's a tough thing. You know, that's a tall order for everybody. Um, but that's, that's what they're dealing with. And, uh, you know, Monmouth is, and all these teams are going to go in and take their shot. I think St. Peter's did their job. Like they wanted to get to the two, three spot and be opposite uh, Iona in the bracket. Let mama take a swing at them first. If it plays out as we expect. So that worked out. It's a good job by Shaheen Holloway and the Peacocks who've had a nice season, 12 and six in conference so far. Uh, I wanted to say a quick word about Princeton and hat tip to Mitch Henderson, who's going to raise a banner uh, at the very least as co-champs of the Ivy league. You know, they didn't, Mitch Henderson didn't see his players for over a year. I mean, he did not see his players for over a year. Now, I know everybody in the Ivy League is facing the same problem when the league shut down, but Princeton has come back with a really good team that could scare somebody next month, you know, this coming month in March. And it's a credit to Mitch Henderson and his staff for really keeping things together over the most difficult and unusual of circumstances. So we'll talk more about them next week, you know, when we head into the Ivy League tournament. But I want to give a hat tip to Mitch and the Tigers for raising a banner after a brutal you know, stretch of not seeing each other at all. Looks like a two-horse race for the most part in the Ivy League. Princeton will have to take down Yale in the Ivy League tournament. Of course, we'll see how that all plays out. But that is going to wrap up Jersey Jump Shot Episode 10. We're wrapping up the regular season. Next week, we have a huge show planned for you. We are going to, of course, be talking conference tournaments. We have 
Hope to have Brad Wachtel join us as well to break it down and all the brackets and what they might look like after this week of action. Again, a big thank you to Shavar Reynolds and the staff over at Mammoth for helping him get on the show with us today. Great stuff from Shavar. Thanks to him. Thank you for listening. As Jerry mentioned, he has his article, his chat with Brad Wachtel. That's live right now on app.com and northjersey.com. Of course, Jerry, Chris, and Steve will have plenty to write this week as the games get ready to tip off. Thank you for listening to Jersey Jump Shot. We can't wait to talk to you next week as the regular season wraps up. For Chris, for Steve, for Jerry, I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening. Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.